0: Bible Fellowship Bible Instruction Time. We now turn you over to our speaker for the day. We're thankful to thank Grant Campbell Payne, everyone for the singing. We're thankful to have our brother Thomas Wheeler. Thomas has been in the Lord's work for how many years, brother? Twenty-five. Twenty-five, and uh, he has relocated recently from the great state of Texas, <laughs> via Floridian in the land of endless summer. Until this week, Daniel. He said it's better than the 12 degrees it was when they left. Good to have Brother Thomas with us, and we'll turn the remainder of our meeting over to him at this time. Thank you, Brother Billy. Karen, good to be with you all. So good to be back at at, uh, Claremont. It's been a few years, and uh, it still is summer down in Boca Raton. It was 72 yesterday. So, (laughs) in one state, the weather can change. Uh, quite a bit, as you move north, but uh, we 're thinking here about uh, a heavenward focus uh, a heavenward perspective of our life. you know I, starting a new year imagine twenty twenty two here we are in twenty twenty two and um, you think about the history of the church if you hold to the thirty a d date for the resurrection and start of the church, which I think is the most defensible, some say 32, some say 33 A.D., but let's say 30 A.D. You realize that's 2,000 years of church history is just eight years away in 2030. Israel had 2,000 years from Abraham to the Lord's first coming. We're not date setting, right, brother? We don't do that. But we make observations, and we we see the uh, blossoming of the fig tree and these kind of things the Lord talked about and and so what is it that we want to be about our father's business or something else right with with our use of our time and treasures and talents and and so i've been thinking in hebrews chapter 11 and um hebrews chapter 11 sometimes referred to as the hall of faith uh which is a good title for it um I like to think of it a couple of other ways, too. I think it, is, uh, it demonstrates as it relates these various testimonies of real living people over the progress of time that it unfolds the, the uh, progress of the, God's plan of redemption. But it also gives us a picture of salvation history. Because you go back to these people, You know, they don't seem as far away. Abel, when you talk about Abel, you're talking at, you know, at least 4,000 B.C. And maybe I'll, I'll even push it out to 6,000. I won't go much further than that uh, B.C. And and we're in 2000. So that's 8,000 years ago. And he's still waiting for what we're looking forward to. You think you and I have had to wait a little bit. You think of Peter and Paul, the apostles. I mean, they've been waiting almost 2,000 years now for... The connection with our Lord in the heavenly city, with our new redeemed bodies. And so, my primary text really is verses 13 to 16. Now, I assigned the reading, so I had Brother stop at verse 12, so I didn't, so he wouldn't steal my thunder, right? So we could build, get the backdrop to verses 13 to 16. But the writer says, these all, now, these all is going to refer to the previous 12 verses, but it will also refer to the rest of the chapter. These all died in faith, not having received the promises. You see, we sometimes think, well, you know, all the opportunity they had in their journey of faith with the Lord and the contact they had with the angel of the Lord, some of them in different things, and what they got to see. No, no, they live by faith just like we live by faith. It's always been that way, right? And, and they did. They died, including Abraham and Sarah, without Abraham and Sarah, didn't get the promised land in their lifetime, did they? He only owned that little piece of land from the Hittite that he bought in the cave of Machpelah, And even when the Israelites crossed into, crossed the Jordan River into the land and, and obtained the inheritance, well, that isn't the inheritance he's talking about here because he's going to go on to talk about the heavenly one, the better one. So even then, they didn't. Joshua and those in his time frame did not receive the promises, so these all died in faith, in other words, they persevered all the way to the end in faith of their the end of their course and he tells them in in verse thirty six of chapter ten, this is chapter eleven and the beginning of chapter twelve were being written because these Hebrew Christians were suffering, and it talks about I mean, how would you like to have your property and your home and your car and everything taken by the state you know that could happen very easily in this country could easily happen (laughs) we we don't know what the lord what he's going to allow before the rapture but so they were suffering and they couldn't get a job because they had identified with jesus christ and the religious rulers had identified him as an imposter and not a real messiah and so they were suffering for identifying with jesus christ remember the temple was still standing when Hebrews was written. The sacrifices were being done, even though Hebrews tells us God had already set aside the first that He might establish the second, right? Establish the covenant that our Lord established in His blood, the new covenant. So in verse 36 of chapter 10, for you have need of what? Endurance. And isn't that true for us today? You know, we get frustrated sometimes waiting. Lord, how long, (laughs) how much, how far will you let this go before you come back? I, I mean, I pray that often, especially when I see friends and loved ones suffering in different capacity. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done, notice the after and done, after you've done the will of God, which is your testimony... Amen? He's talking about the word testimony there several times at the beginning of chapter 11. He's talking about your living, the will of God for you in your life. Talking about your service and your testimony. That's the will of God for you. And it's different for everyone in this room because we all have our different roles and responsibilities in the body of Christ. In the particular assigned area that He has us right now, right? Right? After you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. (laughs) See, the Bible says this, suffering first and then the glory. Our Lord went through suffering first in the first advent. The glory is attached to his second advent. Romans chapter 8 says, if we suffer now, we will reign with him later, right? That's the whole picture. That is the Bible's answer to the health and wealth message that says, no, 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 you're not to have suffering now, you're to have blessing now, you're to have health and wealth now. That's, no, no, the Bible says, suffering now, <laughs> enduring, <laughs> persevering by faith. <laughs> and that's what these all... So the whole idea of done the will of God, doing the will of God is, and he's going to emphasize that, all the way through chapter 11 and into chapter 12, these individuals acted on their faith so they believed and then they acted on it okay that's what james chapter two tells us right faith without works is dead that that we believe it's not just an agreement intellectually oh yeah the gospel theologically i can argue it soteriologically and all these things but is it transforming my life Am I acting on Am I doing anything? These people did things and they suffered by when they did them too, right? They suffered persecution. So one of the great verses of the New Testament in verse 37 of chapter 10, for yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. He is coming back. That is our inheritance Uh, We have a down payment of it now with the indwelling Holy Spirit and our spiritual gift and the fellowship we share with one another. And I'm uh, honored to be with these esteemed brethren from Hiawasa. Thank you, Ed, for pointing that out. And uh, yeah, and with the Claremont believers. But we're part of this great work that God is doing in the world today. The great work he's doing in the world is he's not creating anything new in the sense of material creation. But he is creating in the sense of the new creation, isn't he? Every person that's born again through faith in Christ is part of the new creation, and that's God's great work in the world today. And he's saying, Join me, participate. The door is wide open to participate in the work that I'm doing. And what an honor, what a privilege. For us to be able to do that with the living God. To team up, if we can use that expression reverently, with the living God in this way. That's what we're doing. Being a testimony and serving Him. Because we believe He is. <laughs> we believe that He exists. That Jesus Christ is not in either of those two locations in Jerusalem where the tomb is. They're both empty. He's in heaven. Waiting till his enemies be made a footstool for his feet. That's earlier in chapter 10. So coming back to chapter 11, verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the promises. He's trying to encourage his brethren, right? So he's reminding them of this, right? But having seen them afar off, were assured of them. Now I think this is kind of neat because verse 1 tells us, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But it says here, they saw them. But they saw them by what? Right. So he's talking about the, what Paul calls in Ephesians 3, the eyes of the heart. The eyes of your understanding. The eyes of the heart, right? So having received the promises and having seen them, I'll tell you a far off. If 8,000 years is right, that's a far off, right? And we're assured of them. That's the same idea as verse 1 is saying. Faith is the, the, the substance, the reality of things hoped for. Remember how Paul defines it in Romans chapter 8? You hope for something you don't, if you already have it, you wouldn't be hoping for it, right? Hope is for something you don't have yet. But you're certain. You're assured of it. They were. That's why they were able to act on their faith. They were certain that the heavenly city, the new Jerusalem, existed. Why? Because God said so. The promises. The same promises. Well, of course, we have even more information, right? From God in the word of God than they had. We have way more information than Abel had, as far as we know. We don't know for sure what Abel had because that's an argument from silence, but, but I would assume he, didn't, he probably didn't even know about the Mosaic Covenant. We don't know what detail God gave them at that time. And they were assured of these promises and did what still in verse 13? <laughs> Embraced them. Took them up close and made them their own. See what faith does? And as we spend more time in the Word of God and as we reflect and meditate more and more as believers in what the Word of God teaches and embrace these things and make them our own, that's what that idea of embracing means, it totally transforms our perspective. And when our perspective is transformed, our priorities are transformed too with them, right? They embrace them and confess that they were what? with regard to this world. Same term Peter uses of us in First Peter 2, right? Sojourners. <laughs> Strangers and pilgrims. That's how Abraham saw himself even while he was in Canaan, right? As he brought all that huge number of animals in his whole camp and moved from the north down to the south, eventually to Beersheba in that area. For those who say such things, the writer says, declare plainly that they seek what? A homeland. In other words, they don't see now, here this. This is not their home. Are you seeking a homeland? Or is your homeland Claremont? (laughs) Or Orlando? Oh, brother John Brown... From up in Minnesota. I know there was a John Brown in Atlanta, too. You all may have known him. But this was a brother up in one of the halls and way back up in uh, northern Minnesota. And when he would go to visit, you know how you brethren, all of us, we'll have a guest book, you know, and people will come and write down your address. And he would write down the address, the New Jerusalem. And it's, oh, you're being funny. We want your address there in Minnesota. No, he said that one in Minnesota is temporary. This is my, you want my permanent address? This is my permanent The Father's house. John 14, right? Either it's true or it isn't. (laughs) And if it's true, it's going to totally change. If it isn't true and we're doubting it, then we're not living by faith. We're trying to live by sight, right? And Paul says in 2 Corinthians, we live by faith and not by sight. Just like these people. So those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. That word seek, it's interesting. You know how he uses it earlier. Defining in verse 6 how we please God. Those who recognize that He is and that He's a rewarder of those who do what? Diligently seek Him. So whatever theology you want to hold on to, you better not leave out that idea of seeking God. If you think that God is making robots out of people through some sort of predestination thing that that they want in in hand waving, the Bible says, come to me, all ye who are seeking. (laughs) See, the invitation goes out, but don't take away that opportunity for man to make his choice because God doesn't take that away. Everyone is going to determine their eternal destiny by their own choice, says the Bible, not me. And God will not take that away because we're made in His image and likeness and neither should we. So Paul will say in 2 Corinthians, we don't use, we don't peddle the word of God. We don't use deception when we do evangelism. We don't try to trick them into the kingdom and that kind of thing. No, no. They've got to understand they go you know their heart has to understand, and then the will has to respond, and the Holy Spirit is drawing them at the same time, so God's involved in that and have you ever been with somebody you're sharing with and the, and you find they're seeking god that's that's when it's really fun to share the gospel. Sometimes you share the gospel with somebody and you know they slam the door in your face and in in our day that seems to happen more than not, but we still persevere in it, right? By the, by the Lord's grace and by His enablement. And so he's, he's going to explain in verse 15 what he just said about seeking a homeland because truly if they had called to mind the country from which they'd come out, and he's talking about the ones in verse 1 through 12, they would have had opportunity to go back, right? Take Abraham, for example. He left Ur of the Chaldees. Now, we thought for many years Ur of the Chaldees was down in the southern part of uh, Iraq toward the Persian Gulf. But now the evidence seems to be that it's in the northern part, closer to Mount Ararat. And the Iraqis are probably right. That's where, probably where the Garden of Eden originally was. And Mount Ararat's just to the north of there. He could have gone back from Canaan to Ur. He could have gone back any time. If that was his homeland... And that's where he was from. But where was Abraham's homeland now? Future. Just like yours is. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. They desire. Notice the idea of seeking in verse 14. The idea of desiring in verse 16. See, God has touched their hearts and their passion, their zeal now is for the better one, (laughs) not the former one. This is the same idea that Paul uses in Philippians chapter 3, right? Putting those things before that he relied on, his pedigree as an Israelite and tribe of Benjamin and Pharisee of Pharisees. he said that's all rubbish now compared to Christ Christ now is my life and everything is moving toward seeing him face to face and that will change your whole view of life <laughs> your view of the world your view of your possessions Your view of your career, it changes everything. That's what he's telling them. He's saying, look, you all have the right focus. Don't let go of it. Don't let go of it. But now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Isn't that interesting? God is not ashamed to be called the God of people who live by faith. People that live by sight, well, I don't know if the reverse of this is true, that God is ashamed of them, but we know that this is what pleases God. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. He describes that city in chapter 12. We won't take the time to look at it because we want to look at a couple other exhortations here in these first 12 verses. So he defines for us faith in verse 1, chapter 11, right? And he tells us in verse 2, the elders, that is the older one, the ones that have all passed on, the one he's going to rehearse here in chapter 11, all the way through the chapter. And he finishes with looking unto Jesus in 12.2, right? It's all moving in that direction. The elders obtained a good testimony. And then each one, he's going to talk about their testimony. He even uses the word witness in verse 4, and he uses the word testimony in verse, verse uh, 6 and 7. But in verse 3, I love this, he's going to start with creation. Now, isn't that, isn't that convenient in the world we live in? I mean, there are still people that are trying to work evolution into the creation account. It's called progressive creationism. we We knew about the old theistic evolution thing and how wrong that is. But look, look at what he says here. This is one of the great verses on creation in the Bible. I know you say, no, it's Genesis 1 and 2. You're right, Genesis 1 and 2. And Psalm 33, Psalm 19... But here he agrees, it, the, the Bible is unified in this by faith. Not by scientific experiment, because none of us was there. None of the so called scientists were there either that started this evolutionary hypothesis. None of them were there. Nobody we know was there. Amen? So eventually you're going to have, it's going to be by faith one way or the other. You're going to take evolution, you're going to do that by faith too or you're going to follow the word of God. But he said, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. That's exactly what Psalm 33 says. By the breath of his mouth. And that's what Genesis 1 says. So that the things... Look at this. This is so precise. So that the things which are seen, that's the creation as we see it now. Right, The things you can measure in a test tube and measure in a laboratory experiment. The things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. <laughs> so he made it ex nihilo, to follow the Latin. He made it out of nothing. <laughs> Only God could do that. Does that make you praise him? Man says, you know, well, I can, I can produce this, you know, if I start with, but I, well, what are you going to start with dirt? Well, no, you can't start, God started with no, he didn't start with dirt. He didn't start with anything. He didn't start with an amoeba. He didn't start with a molecule. He didn't start with anything. I heard a program. I listen as much as I can to ICR because those are real scientists, in my view. They're born agains that do that practice science you know, from a biblical point of view. And uh, they were talking about molecular nanotechnology. <laughs> and you know that's that's out. I was an engineer for sixteen years, but that's still out of my sphere. Uh, we were doing that at Rice University, just getting into the nanotechnology back in the 1990s well they've been, you have to do that with an electron microscope, you, so your eyesight won 't work in a regular microscope you 've got to have an electron microscope, but they see and in, the, in, a, in a one molecule of a bacteria that 's in the human body they' all it 's an engine in there with moving parts <laughs> they, rotating parts with torsion bars and all these they, they can see that in the well who made that? Jesus did, according to the Bible. Does that make you praise him? And then they then they put a telescope up, you know, into the furthest galaxy they can see. And of course they don't know how far it is. I mean when they start talking light years, I know they're guessing. <laughs> yeah, because we can't even relate to one light year, let alone multiple light years. But it's out there, and if the earth, if the universe is a spiral, which it might be. That's an interesting thought rather than we think linear, right? We think with something got to go in a straight line and so they go out. But if it's a spiral, then it backs up on itself. So it's really you're going in a circle. You Voyager may be going around in a circle. See, and, and we think it's a straight line way out here. It's gone the same distance, but not that far in a spiral. And he made that, too. From the greatest to the smallest, he's made it all. And He's the one that voluntarily came to die for you and me. Put that in your theology. And this is in the faith chapter. Because God knew that Satan would challenge this, the creation account. And He has. I mean, the so-called... Global warming, climate change, all that is all rooted in the evolutionary hypothesis. They're finding out that the problem, the, the earth has warmed since 1875, but 1875, they just did studies up in Greenland with the the deep uh, drilling into the ice and everything. It was, the earth was its coldest. It was a mini ice age in 1875. So you're using your benchmark as a mini ice age. And you see... Do your homework, <laughs> but believe the Word of God first, right? And then you look at these, now Abel wasn't a caveman. You know, I was brought up, you know, he, he was a caveman, you know, I mean, in the little comic strips or whatever, the Sunday school illustrations that they do and everything, he, he was no, he's not a caveman. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Why? How? How did he know that? Well, he'd been taught. I mean, we know from Genesis three fifteen, we know that God clothed Adam and Eve with the skin of animals. Where did the skin of animals come from? Apparently, an animal sacrifice. Because at least Adam and Eve knew to teach Abel that God required a blood sacrifice, and that's where Cain failed. He brought man. Cain was a uh, worked in the fields. You know, he maybe he had an orange grove. I don't know. And he brought the, a basket full of the best looking fruit you could and vegetables, and the work of men's hands. What all false religion still tries to do, tries to appease God with man-made theology (laughs) instead of the word of God. Abel believed God, and God had respect. But notice, he understood the blood sacrifice, and then he acted on it, didn't he? He offered it. It's one thing to know it. It's another thing to act on it. And so he acted on it. Same thing with Enoch. Enoch, verse 5 and verse 6, this, our great memory verse we use for evangelism, rightly so, is linked to verse 5 to Enoch. Enoch was taken away. A rapture took place. So we had that way before Paul wrote 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. People say, oh, well, you know, this idea, that's just John Darby and his ridiculous theology he got in 1830. Oh, no. It goes back to Enoch. <laughs> Enoch was taken away and he was not found because God had taken him. But before he was taken, he had this what? Testimony, witness. You see how he's using that? Each one of these, your testimony and your witness is what you do acting on your faith. Right? He had this witness that he pleased God. Well, how did he please God? He believed the word of God and acted on it. As much as he knew, he believed God and acted on it. How do we know that? Because Amos 3.3 says, can two walk together unless they be agreed? Right? So he agreed with the word of God and acted on it. And remember it says in Genesis, he walked with God how long? Was it 300 years or something like that? And then God took it. God said, you're better off up here with me. He pleased God. In other words, he believed the word of God and acted on it. And that's what he says in verse 6 is, is, is true of everyone who comes to God. He says, But without faith, this is one of the impossibles in Hebrews. We're talking about the, the God of whom all things are possible. But there are two impossibles. Actually, I think there are three of them in Hebrews. And, and here's one of them it's impossible to please Him. See what he's saying? Because he who comes to God must believe that He exists. You have to believe in the existence of God, which evolution doesn't, right? It's replaced that, and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. In other words, you're seeking after the true and living God is going to be rewarded. Same thing Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 29, 13, right? If you seek after him with all your heart, you will find him. (laughs) And that's all the way through the Bible. God is always drawing and inviting men. Come, seek to know me, seek after me. And so we want to encourage people that we encounter, share the gospel with. Are you seeking? Are you seeking the true and living God? Have you tried the Bible? And usually I take them, if they don't know anything about the Bible, I'll say, try the Gospel of John, because that's what was done with me, and it worked. I wear a little pocket Gospel of John 40 years ago this year. dear friend gave it to me, and I remember taking it to the engineering office, and I read it, I must have read it through 15 times. It, it took that long for it to sink in, all the wrong thinking, <laughs> ...that I had been taught and how revolutionary it was... ...just reading about this Jesus. Who is this? Well, you could work through each one of these individuals. It's a biographical progression, isn't it? One, but don't minimize. These are living people. Their, red, their blood was red like yours. It's not green or orange. They were living people like us. But if, if we agree with the idea... Practically speaking, how do we do that? How do we please God now? And uh, I don't mean to steal any thunder from Brother McBride, but if you'll turn to Second Corinthians, I had already thought of this from the Lord uh, before I knew Gary was coming to do Second Corinthians. So this will be kind of a warm-up for you as you get into your February study. Second Corinthians, by the way, I'm so thankful you're doing that. It is a powerful letter. You know, we tend to, we look at 1 Corinthians because we have these instructions on the church and spiritual gifts, and we appreciate Galatians and Ephesians. Don't minimize second core. Because Paul opens up his heart in second core in a way that he doesn't. In many of the other letters, he's talking from his heart. And it's practical Christian living, the idea of triumphing in Christ in verse 14 of chapter 2. But I was thinking in verses 16 to 18 of chapter 4. Now he said in chapter 5 verse 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. So what does that look like? Well, verse 16 and 17 and 18 chapter 4, we don't lose heart with what's happening around us. And Paul was suffering. He gets his longest list of his sufferings in chapter 11 of this book. And I read those and there's nobody I know that comes close, okay? other than the Lord Jesus. Nobody comes close to that list, and I don't think anyone ever will. This man knew what it was to suffer for the Lord. Therefore, we don't lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. Anyone in here argue with that? If you're arguing with that, you don't have a mirror in your house. Maybe if you don't have a mirror, because our outward man is perishing. Day by day, even. Molecules are dying. But, The inward man is what? It's not decaying. This is your soul, your eternal soul. It's being renewed day by day. Renewed how? Mm -hmm. By your time in the word of God. He ended chapter 3 with verse 18. But we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror. The word of God is it like a mirror. We behold the glory of the Lord. When you take time in the word of God, and I hope you have a regular time consistently to do that, expect God to change you. That's not the sin of presumption. That's acting on the word of God. Okay, because he says the glory of the Lord, you're being transformed into the same image. Whose image? Christ's image from glory to glory. It's progressive, just as by the spirit of the Lord. I have to admit, I, I fail here too, right? I don't remind. My, I come to. I have a regular annual reading plan, but I don't always remind myself every day. Look, of what this verse says. I'm seeing Christ in that portion, even uh, in books of Ecclesiastes and the Song of Solomon, Leviticus. He's everywhere, and as I see him, and I meditate and think about who he is and what he's done for me and what that teaches me to do because of my faith in him I'm being literally transformed by the spirit of the living God God's able to do that isn't he and you notice it's from one glory to another this is the Christian life this is your faith journey your testimony in mine. and so that's what he's saying here in chapter 4 verse 16 It's being renewed day by day. Isn't that a message of hope? Our world's looking for a message of hope. (laughs) They've got a dead message all around them. You know, the young people are are just, they're tired of it. They're they're getting bombarded with it and I don't blame them. On the internet, they're getting bombarded with it. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a message. You can be renewed. Not your physical body because we know these bodies are going to corrupt and corrupt and corrupt and eventually end up in a grave or cast aside at the rapture. The mortal cannot inherit immortality. <laughs> First Corinthians 15, right? So we know that has to happen. And then he adds, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Oh, oh. And, he, and he sets up a contrast. You notice what he's doing? Light affliction, weight of glory, temporary, permanent, So what are we living? We're living by faith for the things we can't see. And people say, well, you're stupid to do that. What are you doing that for? Because we're like the people of Hebrews 11. We're seeing it afar off by faith. We believe that there is a better one, a homeland, a heavenly country, the Father's house, whatever term you want to use for it. We believe that's true and we're acting on that. We're banking on it. I mean... Some of us have given up a lot in terms of career, in terms of financial, because we're banking on the fact that the word of God is true and that God is true and that he's not a liar. And if we missed it, it's worth it. It's worth the chance. Because the alternative, if it's true, you're going to be in the lake of fire a very, very, long time. Where the worm doesn't stop gnawing, the gnashing of the teeth in pain and frustration never ends. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. This is what we're called to. You could look at the life of Moses there in In Hebrews 11, beginning in verse 22. It's one of the longer sections, so you can tell that he's using Moses as kind of a paradigm of living by faith. Moses probably gave up more in terms of living in this world than anyone in Scripture, at least. Other than our Lord. He was in the line to be a Pharaoh, Egypt you look at Egypt today, you know they're very proud of their history, but Egypt today is not so, you know who would but but back then it was the world empire and he gave all that up the palace, the servants, clothes all done for him, clean clothes every day, getting to ride in the special chariot, and all those things all the accolades, all the To suffer affliction with the people of God. He gave up sin for a season. Because he knew it brought delight for a season. You want to live for the temporary? You want to live for the permanent? So may the Lord encourage us as we think about practical ways as we go on in our own walk and testimony to honor the Lord, serve Him, allow Him to transform us daily being renewed day by day and passionately living for Him with joy. We know what's coming. The world doesn't (laughs) because they don't believe the Word of God, but we know what's coming. So, Father, we thank You for Your Word and for this instruction. We pray, Lord, that You will encourage each of us. We're so thankful to know the Lord. And if there's someone here that doesn't know the Lord Jesus as Savior, I hope they'll talk to one of us before they leave. But for those of us that know the Lord Jesus wow, what a life. And we ask you to help us to humbly live it, to give honor to you and to the Lord Jesus, our Savior, as we pray in His holy name.